She put one finger over her lips, hushing me, although I wasn't speaking. She pointed at the note. Puzzled, I unfolded it and read in her distinctive handwriting, Don't say anything. Take all your jewelry off and put it in the envelope. Don't talk until we get out of the car again. I will explain. I sat staring at the note. I could hear my pulse as silence descended between us like a wall. My mother suddenly felt like a stranger whose intentions were unclear. Why this bizarre drama? I looked at her for a long moment, then slowly took off my rings. The small diamond cluster my father had given me for my 16th birthday. A square-cut peridot, my birthstone, that was a Christmas present from his third wife, Thora. I pulled the long, heavy chain that held an antique-style watch out of my shirt front and over my head. A gift for Mum the Christmas I was fifteen. It all went into the envelope. I passed it to her. She licked the flap, sealed the envelope, and set it on the console between our seats. As she put the car into gear and eased on to the now-darkening winter road, I braced myself for what was to come. We drove the short distance in silence. Earlier that week, Mum had called me at work. We usually talked in the evening, but I was glad to hear from her. She'd moved to Halifax the previous year to go back to school, and I missed her and our day-over debriefs. Can you talk for a minute? she'd asked. Sure, I answered. I have an interview, but I don't have to leave for twenty minutes. Around me, the newsroom of the Telegraph Journal and its sister paper, the Evening Times Globe, buzzed with the usual background chatter of the police scanner and clatter of the old teletype printers spewing wire copy and photographs. It was a relatively quiet news day, but I was aware that could change at any moment. Two years earlier, I'd witnessed a newsroom responding to the first word of the explosion of the space shuttle Challenger. It was the only time in my years at the paper I ever heard the order to stop the presses, and it left a strong impression of how quickly life can go off the rails, without any warning or any chance to prepare. Normal one moment, irreversibly changed the next. I was sitting at my desk now, one in a row set sideways to a bank of windows that looked across the mudflats near an inlet. What's up, I asked. I could hear Mum inhale deeply. She was bracing herself to begin. My interest increased. You know, so many times in your life I've told you that someday I'd be able to explain things, she began. Yes, it was a refrain I'd grown sick of through my childhood. Why are you crying? I'll explain when you're older. Why are we missing school to go bowling in Portage La Prairie today? I'll tell you someday when you're old enough. Why do we have to move without telling anyone where we're going? When you're bigger, I'll explain. Why can't we ever tell anyone we're going on vacation or even if we're going out for dinner? Why is everything such a big secret all the time? Well, Mum continued, it's time. I have to tell you some things that will make a lot of the strange events in our lives make sense to you. I could hardly believe my ears. At some point, I decided, I'll tell you when you're older, was a placating reaction designed to deflect more questions. Now, at the age of 23, it seemed I would finally learn the mystery, the cause of the behavior that had so often confused and frustrated my brother and me. What do you mean? 
We can't talk about this on the phone, she said, an echo of another warning I'd heard many times before. She gave me instructions to meet her that Friday night at the highway gas station in Sussex. Don't tell anyone you're meeting me. Yeah, I know, I know. The rest of the week dragged on. I knew I was acting strangely. I wanted to tell Terry, my live-in boyfriend, and my friends, Robin and Margaret. Several times it was on the tip of my tongue, but in the end, I said nothing. At various times through the years, we'd all talked about the strangeness of my family, the oppressive secretiveness, the unpredictable comings and goings, and speculated what might be behind it. It has to be something to do with my dad, I always said. My parents separated when I was five, the summer before I started school. They spent the next decade engaged in legal warfare over late support payments, unpaid dental bills, and my father's access to me and my younger brother, Ted. My dad was an alcoholic.